The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting. Dodo Birds and Leaky Black, Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, please go ahead and smash that like button like you're Brandon Davies. You have consent. If you haven't yet subscribed to the YouTube channel, please knock that out while you're here. Today, we are continuing our previews for the 2022-23 college basketball season. We've already done independent episodes on the American, the ACC, the Big East, Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, and the SEC. Those are the top seven leagues in college basketball. Now we're doing an episode on notable teams from outside of the traditional power structure, the best of the rest, if you will. And any such conversation has to start with Gonzaga. Dead leg, I, I've got Gonzaga number one in the top 25 and one. The Zags are number two in the AP poll. You have them number three in your top 101. Gonzaga has made seven straight sweet 16s. I know you know this. Mm-hmm. How much of your 401k? Oh, gosh. Would you bet? I'm, I'm not. No, we're, we're done with me. Wait. How about you wager yourself? You you tell me. how What percentage of your 401k? You tell me. I'd I'd wager seventy five percent of it. Oh boy, on on what exactly? What's the what's the proposition? That the Zags will be in an eight straight Sweet Sixteen this coming March. NCAA tournament is way I, too I, volatile. To, I, I, to, I, I know. So I know. Gamble seventy five percent of your yeah. retirement income on yeah. the NCAA tournament. Are you out of your mind? I am out of my mind. I I, I I there was a point in my life where I. I just sort of operated under the assumption you shouldn't be gambling with your 401k. But then I started really thinking about it. And that's like, uh, you got to make that money work for you. You know, you got to make that money work for you. So I think gambling with your 401k is actually pretty, pretty smart. And so I would gamble 75% of my, uh, of my 401k that the Zags are going to be in an eight straight sweet 16. That's how much I believe in, in Mark few and drew Timmy and the rest of the Zags. I can't. I can't even work with that right now. All right, so I feel like I've lost like seventy-five percent of my four hundred one k just sitting here over the past year. <laughs> you know where, where? Where's your four hundred one k go? Oh, you ever look at yours? Goodness. It's a rough that's, deal. That's it? the key: is you just don't look at it. Yeah, I know. Want to keep the happiness? Just don't look at it. All right. Listen, if 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 the economy is going to cost me seventy-five percent of my four hundred one k, what is the point in not gambling on the zags with it? 
If the economy's going to do it, why not Drew Timmy? I hear you. That's, ya the that's whole what I'm way. saying. I gotcha. I gotcha. Um, I'd, rather, I'd rather St. Mary's screw up my 401k than just the good old economy, you know? We will get to St. Mary's shortly here. Can't uh, wait. Obviously, you know, the chances of Gonzaga making a second weekend run uh, seem to be pretty good. We talked on our this this episode, our best of the rest a year ago, we talked about Gonzaga in very similar terms. Preseason, they were the number one team. You know, they were expected to be as good as anyone in the country. And then we talked about, you know, when's when are they gonna win the big one? All this kind of stuff. And we don't we don't judge the program or mark view based on that, but we we had this conversation and there's nothing more to add to it because we, you know, we, we know what Gonzaga is. Our listeners know we're not going to beat you over the head with all that. Getting to an eight straight sweet 16 uh, would be remarkable on its face, regardless of where you're seated because no one else, it's the longest active streak. And it's one of the longest, if, if they got to eight, it would be one of the longest streaks, obviously in the history of the sport, particularly when you put it in the confines of the modern tournament era since 85. And keep in mind, it would, almost certainly be nine if not for the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime canceling the 2020 NCAA tournament because the Zags would have been a one seed in that one which means you got to beat a you know 16 and then an eight or a nine to get to the sweet 16 that is almost always what happens and so yeah. we would be going for nine straight if not for the pandemic all right so uh we were going to try and get the, this Gonzaga segment done pretty quick here and then hit the break. Uh, but I got I, there's two things that I actually need to address before we do that. So first of all, uh, happy Halloween, everyone. So we are we are actually pre we are pre taping this. And the reason why I have to bring this up is Gonzaga plays. We are taping this, you know, on Friday, October 28th. But Gonzaga is playing in a high profile pay-per-view exhibition against Tennessee on Friday night. So. Uh, hopefully that is just an, a well-played exhibition and, and all goes well there. Uh, but anything that might happen in that game that might be of intrigue or interest related to Gonzaga, we're obviously not going to touch, touch on this podcast. And the reason why we are doing this pre-tape instead of live, happy Halloween, everyone. Shouts, Ween shirt. Ween, there we go. Uh, and I'll have a Halloween thing before we get out of here as well. Uh, Paris, you want to tell them why we couldn't do this live on Halloween? Uh, sure. Uh, because, uh, as of this moment, yes, this moment, well, this moment being Friday, you're in I'm two still, places at this. Oh, I was gonna I'm say. obviously at home, uh-huh. but, um, later on, on Friday, uh, the plan is, uh, I'm taking my, taking my little guys, my wife and I taking my little guys to Disney to Orlando. And so we're going to spend a few days down there. So I'm going to be, um, a little out of pocket Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, come back home. Uh, I believe Wednesday. So just taking the little guys to Disney. I'm sure it'll be stress-free and nothing but joyful fun 24 hours a day. So that's why we couldn't. So ha- happy Halloween, everyone. Did you not but, know? Did you not know why we couldn't do this? Or did you? Know? I know I did. I did. Okay. But uh, for the Gonzaga people that are listening, they're like, why? Oh, yeah, well, let's just pretend. Talking? Let's just pretend that we that it's Monday. Oh, you want, okay. Listen, dude. You ready? Like, watch this. Let's watch this. Yeah, let's do it. I just I thought. I thought Drew Timmy looked fabulous. He just absolutely fabulous. Picked up right where he left off. Um, I think the last great impression of him was probably him really overwhelming Memphis in the second half of that round of 32 game uh, last season. And then, you know, down in Frisco, Texas on Friday night, just absolutely terrific. I I disagree with you naming him preseason national player of the year. 
Um, I think it should be Oscar Shibway, considering he's the reigning national player of the year and he's back in school for projected conference champion top five team. But boy, everything I saw Friday night from Timmy, uh, you know, I can't call you crazy. I disagree, but I, I can't call you crazy. And they got uh, some really nice minutes out of Malachi Smith, too, which is important because he's among the reasons I do have the Zags number one ahead of North Carolina, Houston, Kentucky. He's the, the reigning uh, Southern Conference player of the year. Uh, put up great numbers for a good team at Chattanooga. The question, of course, has always been, how is he going to fit in with these you know, other players who already established within the program? And just basing it on what I saw Friday night, it, it looks like it's going to be a, a seamless transition. He looks like he's going to make an impact right from the jump. And when you combine him with Julian Strother, Rusher Bolton, obviously Drew Timmy, uh, this is a team that you know not only looks like it can go to an eight straight uh, a sweet 16, but a team that absolutely has the pieces to to go win it all. That's what I saw Friday night on that pay-per-view. Yeah, no, it was it was an interesting reveal for both uh, Tennessee and Gonzaga. And I'm glad they I'm glad they did that. But I want to hear specifically from you. What about that thing that happened early in the second half with Hunter Hunter Salas? What, what do you make of that? I don't think it was a big deal. No? I, I don't think it was a big deal. I, you know, listen, every once in a while, you know, particularly in a season with incredible amounts of pressure, on, on, you know, Nolan Hickman needs a breakthrough season. He knows that, right? His freshman season was fine, but it wasn't, you know, what, what he didn't play a, a massive role in helping the Zags get that number one seed. Now he is needed to, to be important to what they're doing. And so, yeah, I, I, did I notice when he seemed to pop off a little bit? Uh, you know, in a, in a huddle in that timeout in the, in, in the first, yes, I saw it. Everybody saw it, but I, I, I'm not going to make anything of it. Uh, you know, that, that program has a strong culture and I'm not worried about anything that happened in an exhibition game, you know, in late October. Well, the, the only other thing that we need to talk about from Friday night, obviously was, I, I think, I think the tone was set early um, when, you know, it, no one really expected it, but when the, when Rick Barnes, you know, they're getting ready to tip. The guys are on the sideline, and suddenly Rick Barnes has his shirt off and he's painted his chest orange, and he's he's sitting he's sitting there with a bunch of fans. He's pulling right. up Bruce Pearl, and then the camera pans out and two rows behind him, and Mark Few's doing the exact same thing. I thought that just set a weird tone to have these coaches decide to go bare chested for an exhibition game on pay per view just in the name of selling a few more bucks. You know, well, the the thing you have to remember is that's obviously not something that's going to happen if the game's on CBS or ESPN or ABC. But given that this was pay per view, um, it frees guys up a little bit to, to, to express themselves in, in different ways. And so, you know, I didn't expect Rick and Mark to go topless. Um, the thing that I thought was really like taking it to a next level is when, Mark also went bottomless. That that seemed that seemed perhaps Just, over I, maybe it speaks to his confidence in this team. But from from Mark Few to do that and then right. quote unquote do the booty dance, I you know, well I guess it's a, it's a great way to wrap up the preseason. But I I, I didn't uh, I didn't quite see that one coming. But you know, I do think on 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 one hand, okay, a little out of character, somewhat surprising. On the other hand, it's important to keep things light. You know, it's important to keep things light. And, you know, his players seem to enjoy it. And uh, I I think ultimately just a funny highlight that will be included in a postseason video uh, if the Zags are, in in fact, celebrating the first national title in in school history. For Tennessee, um, 
listen, there, you don't lose an NBA point guard like Kennedy Chandler, and it just doesn't matter. But everything I saw on Friday night suggests that they're going to be a real contender in the SEC. Uh, again, Kentucky, obviously the favorite, but the Vols, based on the way they looked Friday night, uh, look like they can certainly challenge John Calipari's Wildcats and 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 maybe you know compete for a trip to the Final Four for the first time in school history. Very great stuff there. Okay, let's wrap on Gonzaga on this on this angle here. We did over under regular season win totals in our Gonzaga shoot around. If you're familiar with the Zags, quite clearly uh, you listened to that one. And if you haven't, please go find it in that particular episode. Remember, we just did regular season over unders. Let's let's go beyond that. I had him winning 26 games. I believe you had him winning 28 games before we got to WCC conference play. But let's do what we did a year ago on this on our best of the rest in 2021. When Gonzaga was the preseason number one team, we tried to project their full-on record and where they would uh, meet their end in the NCAA tournament. Last year, uh, I, I you know I said Gonzaga would go 34 and four, losing the WCC title game and and losing the national championship game. Uh, Gonzaga wound up with that exact amount of losses, 28 and four uh, overall, but it didn't have as many wins because of Omicron and and getting you know three, four weeks of the season just sliced out left and right there into December and January. GP, you had them as 35 and three a year ago and winning the national championship. Uh, so you were closer on win total than me. Um, and I, I, I guess, you know, split the difference. I had them in the title game. You had them winning it, but they, they fell short of that objective. Obviously they got knocked off in the sweet 16. So what are you thinking this season? What is your, uh, what is your overall record projection for the Zags? And uh, do you have them win the national title? I do have them winning the national title. I got them with two non-league losses, one WCC loss, win the WCC tournament, win the NCAA tournament. If my math is correct, that's a final record of 36-3 and with the first title in school history. 36-3. and So hold on. So it's a dub... Yeah, yeah, I think that's... Yeah, that's right. They don't don't get to 40 because they only play two games in their conference tournament. Okay, fair enough. Um... I will say, so I had them at 26 in the regular season. I'll say they win the WCC tournament. That gets them to 28. And then mark me down. I actually, we actually sent in. I don't know we'll, if this will have published by the time this, this podcast actually goes up. It may still be coming. I sent in my final four. And in that, I had the, I had the, the Bulldogs making the title game. So that is five wins. So mark me down for 33. I guess that's what, 33 and six, GP? Yeah, I think you've got to get to total of 39. Yep, 33 and six for Gonzaga, losing the national championship game. Uh, and I wrote it after they lost last season. This feels like it might not be, but this feels like the best window. And this is probably the last year of the best window because, I mean, hell, Drew Timmy actually will have another year of eligibility. So maybe we'll look up in here and, and he will be building the best college career since Walton, I guess. But this feels like the last really, really good year. They are going to be a lot of fun. Their non-conference schedule is outrageous. We're going to be talking about them plenty as we get into November because they got a lot of high-profile games there. Uh, and uh, I'm, you know, they're, they're always intriguing, and they are uh, a ripe subject for talking about because they've got a great, great, great dedicated fan, fan base that has expanded, obviously, in the past 15 years. And then they've got, uh, they got an army of haters who... Uh, who are a bit misguided, but I actually think that helps fuel the interest in getting Gonzaga overall. So maybe it's not such a bad thing for college hoops. You said you think this is the last really good year for what? For like their window to win a national championship. You know, what? like why why see. why would it be? I think the biggest question is if Mark Few is going to continue to get either, you know, lottery pick talent or really good 
international talent or three or four year first team all American talent now that Tommy Lloyd has moved on. Not that he can't or that he won't, but with Tommy Lloyd having gone to Arizona around the sport, there's just in there's intrigue uh, about will Gonzaga, you know, BYU's leaving the conference to go to the Big 12, just small things like that, just that chip away maybe a little bit. And Gonzaga, will it instead of being a year over year top three program, top five program in terms of predictive metrics and overall performance and win percentage, will that just slip? to the 6 to 10 range, the 6 to 12 range, the 7 to 15 range. And if so, then obviously the window and the opportunities wouldn't be as good as they have been are this year and have been the past couple of years. That's all. Oh, wow. I didn't know we were having a funeral for Gonzaga's men's basketball program. I didn't I didn't declare that. So yeah. I just assume they've always been great. They're going to continue to be great. They were great before BYU came to the WCC. I imagine they'll be great um, after BYU use, leaves the WCC, I do acknowledge that the Tommy Lloyd thing is is a thing, but I don't think it's a thing that can't be overcome. But it is, if I'm being serious and honest, it's a reasonable thing to wonder about. Um, but uh, I, I think I don't want to say that program recruits itself now because that's obviously not true. But I think, you know, uh, how about this? Since Tommy has left, they've continued to enroll you know, high level players. And I know some of that previous recruiting class was done while Tommy was on staff. And then, you know, they just held it together after Tommy left. But uh, uh, while I acknowledge it's a fair thing to wonder about, I would bet on, I would bet on them continuing uh, very similarly to, to the way they've been um, running that program for, you know, two decades now. And, you know, saying, they might slip from top five to six to 10. Like that's a hard, you know, that's a hard bar. Like, can you stay consistently top 15 in the country every year? If so, you're continuing to operate at, at, at a similar level. And I would, I would bet on that. Are they going to keep being, uh, you know, number one at Ken Palm every year? Again, that's a hard bar to set. They're competing against, you know, more than 300 other schools. It's okay for somebody else to be number one every once in a while, but this string of sweet 16s and dominance in the WCC and, and assembling teams that can, you know, reasonably compete for national titles. I, I think that continues. Uh, I think it's a thing this year. And I think it, I think it continues past this year. And I think that's why you saw when the game ended uh, on Friday night, Mark few, you know, do the crotch chop. He's got that much confidence in his team. And I wasn't surprised by it. It was interesting. You know, it's, it's a visual we haven't seen before. But the uh, the Mark Few crotch chop really sets the tone as we get ready to start the regular season. Hello. I thought, week. you know, and just one last thing on what happened Friday night. Yeah. As we taped this on Friday morning. Um, I, un, I thought it was an unnecessary shot at Ty Golden, frankly. You know, just out of nowhere. Yeah. When Mark sort of, in this post-game interview, sort of, not screamed, but certainly raised his voice and was like, um, and I just think it's hilarious that Todd Golden ran off to the SEC so he wouldn't have to compete with monsters like my Zags anymore. I just thought that was a you yeah, know, there's I, a I, there. We'll have to find out what. I get the point. I get the point. I just it felt unnecessary, like out of nowhere. But whatever, it's good for the sport. It's got us talking, you know. It's true. All right, let's uh, let's take a tour around the sport here, GP. There's a lot of good. Other programs, most of them mid-major level, that uh, that have viable NCAA tournament hopes as we as we cruise into November here. There are two other teams operating outside of the traditional power structure that are in the preseason AP Top 25. One is San Diego State, my Aztecs. The other is Dayton. We're going to discuss both next. But first, a word from our partners. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. A reminder, if you want, you can now email the show, shouts2cbs at gmail.com. Shouts2cbs at gmail.com. We are loving the responses we've gotten, the emails, the correspondence, the questions. Continue sending them. You can send in a video if you'd like, 10 to 15 second video, ask a question, name, city, town, get out. We'll try and drop those in going forward on the show, on the YouTube channel. Continue to send us stuff. We love hearing from you. And thank you as always for subscribing. So there are two other teams operating outside of the traditional power structure that are in the preseason AP top 25. One is San Diego State. The other is Dayton. Let's start with my Aztecs. They're 19th in the AP poll, 20th in the coaches poll, 21st in my top 25 and one. You've got San Diego State eighth in Mm. your top 101. I have no objections, but I'd like to hear the explanation. Provide an explanation, please. Probably going to be a top 10 defensive team in the country. And I think that they will separate enough within the mountain West that they are going to give themselves a real shot at a very healthy seed. And as a comfortable favorite and what I think will be an improved mountain West overall, you know, I, I, I did bump them up a little bit aggressively. I don't deny that whatsoever, but Brian Dutcher has done a wonderful job here and the schedule I think will enable them to have a good chance at scooting up in the rankings. They've got BYU at home the first Friday of the season. It's a game it should win. Now, if BYU goes in uh, to the show and wins, then yes, we're going to have to recalibrate. Then they play at Stanford. That's a good road opportunity against a good Stanford team. Like, kind of good. We'll see. Um, That they certainly should be able to win. Then they have Maui. We talked about every damn team that's playing in Maui in our summer shoot-around. And they open with Ohio State, and they can win Maui. So I, I looked at it thinking if they do win Maui, they will be an unquestioned. If they if they get out of Maui and haven't lost by that point, like then they, they have UC Irvine, who's actually like a top two, top three team in the Big West. They get out of November without a loss. They're going to be ranked in the top 10. It will be inarguable at that point, considering uh, they'll have a road win. They'll have three. They'll have a 4-0 road and neutral record at that point against teams that enter top 60 or better in Ken Palm in the preseason with that'll be five total wins, basically five quad one wins. So that's basically why they also have a neutral against St. Mary's on the non-con. And then um, once we get into mountain West play, obviously we'll see what happens there. They have Matt Bradley back. I do think he's a top 40 player in the country. Nathan Mensa, a very, like, there's so many good bigs this season, as we've talked about, and we will continue to mention on the pod because there are so many critical fours and fives in this. sport. Oh, I, I forgot to tell you. I'm not going to mention any bigs anymore. Uh, well, that's going to be a problem. I'm done yeah. talking about them. You're done. Yeah, boycotting them. It's a. It's going to be an issue. I'm boycotting Kanye West and all college basketball bigs. 
I don't if you gave me if you gave me which one of those I don't I don't know which one I would pick you were more likely to, to, to do but that is uh that is refreshing to know nonetheless my friend Nathan Mensa is another big San Diego State important and then they've got a Seattle transfer Darian Trammell who he was he was good at the whack level you know he's going to jump up a level let's see what he does here so yes was I more aggressive than pretty much anyone else on the Aztecs I was um, if you want to say they're, they, you know, they aren't justifiable as a preseason top tempting. I understand that, but I, but I went eighth on them and they are the best non Gonzaga, non major conference team heading into the season. I agree with that. And the reason I think you might look smart, um, having them preseason top 10 is because if they do well in Maui and, and, you know, broadly speaking, well, throughout the non-league schedule, they're going to run through their league. I mean, they're so much better on paper than everybody else in, in the Mountain West Conference. You know, they like you said, they bring back Matt Bradley, Nathan Minza. Um, they're returning four of the top five scores from a team that got an eight seed in the NCAA tournament. They're 19th at Ken Palm. Nobody else in the Mountain West is in the top 60. So this is a significant gap. Like, even that, like that's not even true in the West Coast Conference. Like, Gonzaga's top three at Ken Palm. BYU's 44. St. Mary's is 47. There's at least two other top 50 Ken Palm teams in the WCC, in the Mountain West Conference, zero other top 60 teams. It is San Diego State, big gap, and then everybody else. This is a team, uh, they, they were undefeated in 2020, you know, deep into February. And then they became the best undefeated one-loss team in, in the country. And then the ridiculous pandemic robbed them of an opportunity. You know, that, that you know, Dayton, San Diego State, both mm-hmm. these teams had realistic Final Four aspirations that season, and then it's just over. And I remember thinking then, and I'm sure we talked about it, hey, yeah, this sucks for Kansas because Kansas was number one at Kempom, probably about to be the number one overall seed in the tournament. You know, We could be talking about Bill Self as a three-time national champion right now. But one of the points I made is, you know, if you're Kansas, it stinks. And obviously, if you're a Kansas player out of eligibility or moving on, it stinks to just have your college career in that way. But Kansas will be good again, great again. Kansas is going to, um, under real self, have Final Four teams a lot, or at least Final Four uh, teams that are good enough to make the Final Four a lot. Do you ever get this back at Dayton? Do you ever get this back at San Diego State? And the answer to that question might still be no, but I do think it's interesting that just three years after those seasons were cut short, those incredible seasons from Brian Dutcher and Anthony Grant were cut short. Here's San Diego State and Dayton, you know, in, in a position to maybe have really special seasons again. Now, this is one of my favorite storylines going into the season. We'll see if both these programs can live up to this. But yes, we talked SDSU. So Dayton real quick, the 2020 redemption thing for both of these. Dayton was on track to be a one seed. San Diego State was on track to be a two seed when the tournament got axed there and Dayton was one of the better mid-majors in the country last season, but it's it's so much of the roster returns that they're going to have a real good shot at, at having an at large case. And that's what we're talking about with some of these teams on the, on the upper echelon of all this, they're going to have, uh, you know, probably a, a 20, I'll say 23 win season at minimum. We'll, we'll, Will Dayton, thanks to the return, Deron Holmes above all others. He is, you know, six ten, 
power forward, averaged 13 and six last season. Those numbers are going to get better. They've but you know, they've got one of the best named dudes in the entire sport, Kobe Elvis. He's bad. They, Kobe they Elvis. Two, they have two Kobe's. They've got Kobe Elvis, Kobe Bray, both sophomores. Deron Holmes, sophomore. Malachi, the other Malachi Smith, sophomore. Malachi Smith, by the way, has an ankle issue. Unclear if he's actually going to be able to go for the first week or so of the season there. He is a very good two-way point guard, a six-footer. Uh, but Anthony Grant has a has a squad. Now, we're going to get to his primary contender in the A-10. I'm not going to say Dayton's a lock, but Gonzaga, San Diego State, and Dayton are the three non-power conference teams that are preseason top 25 level and... I would label all of these teams as the ones that should not just have NCAA tournament expectations. They should have Gonzaga obviously is on a tier to itself. So really talking SDSU and the flyers, they should have, if not expectations, pragmatic hopes on winning multiple NCAA tournament games, at least one. They can certainly do that there. And yes, there is the, the strong redemption arc and plot line with both of these schools. We'll see if they can live up to it. Holmes is an awesome player. And I think like Dayton fans know how good he is. A10 fans know how good he is. Former MC of A10 Media Day knows how good he is. But this could be the year. Like he's not going to be as good as I don't think he'll be as good as Obi Toppin was. And as I wrote in my 101 uh, capsule for the Flyers that went up last week, he's a different player than Obi Toppin. But he could have a, a season where if Malachi Smith isn't like really you know you know the true one B to his one A, then he could have if Dayton. Top 20 level, like maybe he's got an outside shot at, and maybe be an All-American. He could have that big of a jump there as a sophomore because they rely on him that much. Yeah, I, I prepped um, real hard on Dayton under the assumption I, I might be a post-pandemic MC ATN Media Day, but you know, it just didn't work out. But mm. I still got the notes, and so let me run you through them real quick. Uh, I, I was a little concerned for Dayton fans. Like, just will they be able to hold this together? Because when you've got young guys who have produced in a quality league for a quality program, the bigger schools are are almost certainly going to start calling. And by calling, I mean recruiting and trying to get you to transfer up, if you will. But Anthony and his staff were really able to hold all that together. And and you know, I don't know if this team will be as good as the Obi Toppin team, but this team has clearly got a chance to win an A10 title. And get a get the type of seed in the NCAA tournament that sets you up to not just win a game, but maybe two. And if you can win two, might as well try to get three or four. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 
Agreed. Uh, all right, let's keep it going, GP. What else you got? What should uh, what should the listeners so, know? So those are the three: Gonzaga, Dayton, San Diego State in the top twenty-five. There are actually fourteen of these types of schools in the uh, top eighty at, at Ken Palm. I'll run you through that real quick, and then you can take it wherever you want to. At, at Ken Palm, it's it's number one is Gonzaga. Number 19 is San Diego State. Number 24 is Dayton. You mentioned uh, the biggest challenger to Dayton in the A-10. That is St. Louis comes in at number 39 at Ken Palm. BYU is 44th. St. Mary's is 47th. Those are the two other top 50 teams from the West Coast Conference. Outside of the top 50, but inside the top 80, number 52, UAB. This is year three for Andy Kennedy. He's been killing it in Birmingham. They got another team that... Um, you know, should be considered the favorite in, in Conference USA. Jelly Walker is back. Loyola Chicago's at 59. Uh, Tulane is at 63. Wyoming is at 64. North Texas at 67. Grant McCaslin. Utah State, 68. Furman, 69. And Drake is at 79. Uh, thanks to uh, the father-son combo, the DeVries. Tucker, of course, Averaging nearly 14 points per game as a freshman last season. Those are the teams from outside of the traditional power structure that at least in one computer project as as, as possible NCAA uh, tournament teams. And so based on that list, you go wherever you want to go. All right. Uh, yeah, I'll just I'll take the floor here, hop in as need be. I will. I'm going to focus on the teams that I think have at. Let's go first on the teams. Six teams that I think have viable at large hopes. Uh, so I was kind of splitting the difference here. Like I don't have VCU in this group, but we could look up and VCU will be in this group. But to me, St. Louis, who I have 30th, Wyoming, I have 36, UAB, I have 39, St. Mary's, I have 49, BYU, I have 53, and Drake, I have 59. Those are the six non-power conference mid-majors who are a level below Gonzaga, San Diego State, and Dayton entering the season. But I think that those six teams could be putting themselves into a position where they are on the bubble, near the bubble, maybe even off the bubble and in good standing by the time we get to the first week of March there. St. Louis is the viable contender to Dayton in the A-10. Travis Ford gets back Javante Perkins, who was the preseason A-10 player a year ago. Then he suffered a preseason injury. He was out. He is back. He gets alongside him a returning point guard. We should talk about in terms of like top five point guard in America because he led the nation at eight assists a game last season, Yuri Collins. So the Billikens, who are obviously friends of the pod, shouts to the Billikens, they will uh, they will potentially have one of their their better teams of the past 20, 25 years here. And I think that they've got a good shot. Some, some people actually think that St. Louis could wind up being better than Dayton. And I'm here to hear your argument. I think that's certainly possible. They're, they're, they're close enough um, in a number of, uh, of preseason outlooks on that. So they're, they're an intriguing one. You, uh, before I kind of keep rolling here, just a, you got a quick thought on, uh, on Travis Ford's group. Yeah. Javante Perkins coming back uh, for St. Louis, a little bit like um, a poor man's Marcus Sasser coming back for Houston incredible college basketball players who suffered season ending injuries last season, uh, Perkins preseason Sasser in season, but should be, you know, on paper, the best players on, on, on two teams that, that have a chance to have really, really nice seasons. Yuri Collins, you mentioned him average 7.9 assists per game. And they also had Javon Pickett transfer from Missouri. Travis Ford's got a, a really nice roster. I obviously like most have it Dayton one St. Louis two in, um, uh, in, in that league. Uh, but if, if, you know, we look up in February and that order is flipped, nothing crazy. St. Louis has got a really nice a 10 roster. 
I'll get to uh, a few other names in the A10 in just a minute here, but let's keep going with uh, viable at large uh, candidates going in. Wyoming, 36. Jeff Linder's a really good coach. Uh, he he was one I identified. I did a best of the rest preview that published about a week and a half ago at cbssports.com. Um, if you're listening to this, we'll, we'll drop that into the description of the pod. So however you're listening, uh, if you want to read this along as you, Linder was one of the five coaches identified. There's more than five, but I, you know, kind of keep the list as short as, sure as it needs to be. And he was one that I thought was really on the rise here. He coached, his style is different. I talked to him last year about this. He almost uh, takes an approach, whereas a lot of college basketball coaches are looking like four out, one in, uh, certainly utilizing the three-point line, a lot of pick and roll, um, if not pace and space. He equated his approach to being like, I'm the guy that wants to put two running backs in the backfield and hand off on first, second, and third down with his two best players, Hunter Maldonado, who is a six, seven point guard, who is probably going to be the most likely triple double guy in the sport this season. I think he could be on the board maybe for three or four triple doubles, which is a rarity in in college basketball shouts to Kyle Collinsworth. Uh, And so between him and Graham Ike, who is just, you know, a live in the paint, great power forward. Ike actually won preseason player of the year in the Mountain West, according to the coaches poll. I think Maldonado is objectively the better player. He's certainly a more well-rounded player. Wyoming did make the tournament last year, and Linder's got that program. Certainly interesting. That's a pro. That's obviously another team that you are quite familiar with because CBS Sports Network airs uh, a number of Mountain West games, and Wyoming is prominently featured there. So I think Wyoming is the... I, to me, Wyoming is the clear-cut number two in the Mountain West. And again, I'll get to a couple other Mountain West teams and explain why, but keep an eye on them. And then real quick, UAB has a top five entertaining player in the sport. Jelly Walker comes back. He shoots without a conscience. We love him for it. Andy Kennedy has a legitimate team that should be the best in a in a good conference USA. North Texas, Western Kentucky. They're also considered capable of winning the league, and fairly so to me. UAB sets up as a top 40 team in the country, and I think with what Kennedy's been able to do, they're going to have a really good shot. Again, Jelly Walker is must-see TV. St. Mary's and BYU in the WCC, you got to put them there. Randy Bennett is as reliable as as almost any coach in the country. Like I do think Randy Bennett has got to be under consideration for like top 20 coaches in the sport when you look at – if you. It's one of those things where when you talk to other, co- like we don't live on the West Coast. We don't go to a lot of WCC games in person, if any, right, GP? I do. You- I, I live on the West Coast. There we go. And so when you talk to coaches that have coached in that league, familiar with that league, familiar with Randy Bennett, familiar with what St. Mary's was 30 years ago, 10 years ago, and what he's able to do consistently, um, he gets a ton of respect. Now, he's not that, he's not, you know, he's not super quotable, right? And he kind of looks like Herb Sendek. And so you don't get a lot of Randy Bennett um, buzz and pop out there. But just in terms of coaching a team and running a program, he's considered quite high level. Uh, so you have to consider St. Mary's uh, back and, and prominently involved. They lost Tommy Cousy, who, hello, I think he's on the Spurs. So we'll see how much of a drop-off that is or isn't. He's put, you know, he's put a few guys into the pros in the past 15 years. And then BYU. All right, question for you real quick. we got to turn in a list of the top 25 and one college basketball coaches. There we go. I've already we, turned mine in. Now you're, now you're hitting on it. Yes, Randy Bennett was inside my top 20. You had Randy Bennett on it? I did. I put him. Okay. Yeah, he was somewhere between 15 and 20. I did. Yes. I think that's reasonable. Yeah. I've got to do my list. There you go. There you go. So you if Randy be- Bennett is not on that list, you can blame Parrish. Although he's no, I'm going to put Randy Bennett on the list. I think he has to be on the list. When you look at what St. Mary's is and what he's accomplished, I think he needs to be on the list of the 25 best coaches in the sport. Yes. Um, BYU, Mark Pope. Uh, this is their last league in the w- last year in the WCC. They'll go to the Big 12. And I really think Gideon George will be one of the breakout players in the WCC. You know, BYU f- 
fans know who he is, but uh, he's got a really good backstory. I, I think they're intriguing. I think they're going to be a bubble-ish team. And then Drake, yes, you mentioned DeVries, Tucker, sophomore. Um, our top 101 list, uh, if it's not out yet, it's, it's due to be out soon. I don't know if Tucker made the list. He was on mine, my individual ballot, back end, preseason player of the year, really good player. Uh, I was talking with uh, with our buddy Sam Vecini, who actually kind of likes Tucker long-term as an NBA prospect. So we'll see, if he is that awesome, then Drake could maybe have it run it back from two years ago when Drake actually made it in as an at-large team uh, into the NCAA tournament when the Valley got two. Obviously, that was the year Loyola Chicago went to the Sweet 16 in the bubble tournament. So any uh, before I kind of hit a few leagues here, any thoughts on... Uh, uh, that's how I group the team. Maybe you think there's a team that I didn't run off that should have an at-large show, but that's how I would... I would you know, I, 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 Tulane, I think, is, is, is a possible at-large candidate out of the American Athletic Conference. Most people have it Houston, Memphis, and then either Cincinnati or Tulane. Um, well, I don't even know why I have Tulane in here. They, we've already did the American Athletic. Cause scrap them. Scrap but, them. Hold on, though. You're correct, but I would also say, like, I don't belong in this podcast. Delete that. They don't belong in this podcast. They're not best of the rest. They're American Athletic Conference. Okay, that's on me. That's a that's a that's a that's, an, unfor- that's an unforced error. I don't have I don't have my board ready. I should have had I should have had it ready. Okay, fair enough. All right, quick rundown leagues. Okay, eight ten VC. I'm not talking about any more college bigs or okay. Kanye West or Tulane. Boycotting all three for now. Oh man. Okay. Ron Hunter, I'm sorry. Um, A10, VCU, Loyola Chicago, George Mason were the teams that were the other A10 teams that made my top 101. VCU has Ace Baldwin, uh, who is just an outstanding, outstanding defender. And Mike Rhodes didn't make my list for top 25 coaches, but I'll be honest, I put about 35, 40 names on it. Mike Rhodes was on that list. I think he is really, really good. And VCU should be a factor again. You got to consider that home court advantage in that league as well. Jade Nunn, I've heard, has actually been tremendous as well. So they could, ha- they might wind up with the best backcourt in the A10 this season. We'll see. Loyola Chicago is making the transition. Talk with Drew Valentine over the summer, and he's got good optimism. But he did mention to me, like, let's just see. You know, it might be like a couple years under Porter Moser where we were like way, way better in February than if you had seen us play like the second week of the season, which is often true of a lot of teams. But I think he's expecting this team uh, to really come around once they get more comfortable into league play. Uh, so just keep an eye on the Ramblers. And then George Mason with King, Kim English. They've got Josh Oduro, who will be probably one of the five best players in the A-10. Certainly a team to watch. I don't think they're an NCAA tournament contender, but they're relevant enough. And then obviously you've got two, you've got four like... Flashy head coaching hires at the mid-major level in the offseason. Two of them are in the A-10. So the two that are not in the A-10 are teams that I just don't think will be a factor much nationally. Murray State goes to the, M- the Missouri Valley. They've got Steve Prone back. That's a really, really good hire. And who knows? Maybe he can uh, Maybe he can surprise. But Murray State doesn't project as a, uh, as a team that will be in the mix nationally. And then Steve Lavin went to San Diego. Again, West Coast Conference. But it's Lavin. It's a huge, it's a splashy hire. Then the other two are in the A-10. UMass with Frank Martin. And I was recently up at UMass. And uh, got to look at them. They're they're a hard team to target. I don't know. They didn't make my top 101. If they were in that, I wouldn't be surprised. They've got some good transfer talent, but I don't know. We'll see. And then URI obviously has Archie Miller, and that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, real quick on this, we talked about it, GP, like two weeks after the season ended because we did almost like a coaching carousel roundup. So we hit on both of these hires specifically. Uh, as we sit here now, would you agree with me? Like 
it's hard to see how Frank Martin at Mass. We know there's no, there's never any guarantees, but man, like Archie did it in this league at Dayton. It, it seems like both of these should work. They should work. Like UMass, whenever Frank Martin leaves UMass, it feels like he will leave it better than what it is right now. And if and whenever Archie leaves Rhode Island, and had a good run under 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 Dan, but like it, it feels like Archie will leave it better than he's found it now. Hard hard to argue against that, right? It is hard to argue against that right now, but you know the list of things that look like they should work out that don't is pretty long in this sport. You know, uh, I thought Ben Hallam would work out at Mississippi State. It just never really got going. I thought Jeff Capel would work out at Pitt. You know, as a as a bounce back hire. And it, you know, it's been a bit of a struggle so far. So, yes, I would bet on Frank Martin and I would bet on Arch, but I would have also bet on Ben Hallen and I would have bet on Jeff Capel. Like these, um, I, I think sometimes we fall into a trap of this guy has been good before, then it kind of got sideways on him, but now he's at a different job and it's going to be good again. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't happen for, for some reason. Um, I, I think what you'll find you know, broadly speaking, is if you go look at coaching hires every single year, just take the whatever you think the 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 f- seven most significant hires were, you know, and then look at them. They 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 most of them look like they would they're going to work, and then some of them just don't. And so, yes, I agree with you, but I've been surprised before. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll keep an eye. A ten should be a should be a lot of fun this year, and I. I think they got a chance at three bids, but uh, but any more than that would surprise me. And two is obviously usually the most likely scenario. Mountain West, I, I, I had seven teams. I had more teams in the Mountain West in my top 101 than in the American. I had seven Mountain West teams, six from the American. Boise State's next on that list. Um, I got them at what, like 64 or something like that. They've got a really good point guard, Marcus Shaver. And then Tyson Degenhart is... One of the better players, like he's not going to make our top 101, might not deserve to, but he's a really, really good player. Keep an eye on him. Colorado State would be higher. They're in the 80s, but they don't have Isaiah Stevens. And kind of like going back to when we had to make our top 100 player ballot list individually, like I didn't put guys like Justin Moore, Isaiah Stevens, Texas Tech's Fardaz, AMAC. I didn't put them on the list because none of those players are expected to return before January. And there's not like... Nico Medved told me uh, like a week and a half ago or so, like he, it's a foot injury. So we don't, he doesn't really know how effective Stevens will be whenever he comes back. So because of that, like he's a really good, he's like a top three to five mid-major point guard in the country. So without him, they lost David Roddy who plays for your Grizzlies and wound up being a top 25 pick rotation player for the Grizzlies, which doesn't surprise. I haven't seen a second of Grizzlies so far this season. Oh, you're missing the best show in the NBA. I know, but you get you, you soak, you soak up all, all, all of it for, to make up for me. So I I hear you. They're, they're a lot of fun and I actually do enjoy watching John, the Grizzlies, but I just haven't seen it yet because I'm not, I'm not getting locked in on the NBA in in October and November. Just, there's no chance that's happening, but point is Colorado state. I think Nico Medved a year ago was thinking like I should have Roddy and Stevens like a year from now will be even better. They're coming off the highest seed in school history. They were six seed. And now like if he can get, if they could get to a situation where like, if you told Colorado state fans, like you're going to play in the mountain West championship game with the chance for an auto bid, they would take it immediately. Cause it just, it's a little bit shakier. Utah state's the other team from the mountain West that I think could be decent. They've got, I, they might be the oldest team they might have the oldest starting five on average in the country. They've got either a senior, a fifth-year senior, a sixth-year senior all starting. So because of that, I think that actually might wind up paying off. And then Richard Pitino 
should have a should have a fun team in New Mexico. Maybe it can crack through. Maybe it can crack through the NIT. They got Jamal Mashburn Jr. on that roster there. But I do think it will be a. It's interesting. I agree with you on San Diego State GP in that league. It's so much better than the rest. But I do think the middle is going to be good. It's and so that actually I like. I think that San Diego State will be benefited by the fact that games that might have otherwise normally been quad threes will then nudge up to quad two, and that has a compound effect. And if San Diego State gets it done. Then, then there you go. Uh, you think the middle's going to eat the top, or the bottom's going to eat the middle? I, what is it? Rostin always says he's got one of those. No, I, no, I, There's one of those, like the middle eats the top. Yeah. Like that, right? yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's the epitome of the epitome cannibalism. of cannibalism. It's the epitome <laughs> of cannibalism. I think that's what it is. The Mountain West Conference is the epitome of cannibalism. I'm going to remember this, and in the middle of January, <laughs> when I know you're in studio on like a Wednesday night, and I see Nevada knock off Utah State, I'm going to be like, tweet out the epitome of cannibalism. This is the epitome of ca- cannibalism. Oh, boy. We um, should just take Rostin's sayings and just mix them up a little bit. I Just think mix the words up. I feel like that's already a function of sicko college basketball Twitter. Like People already do that, and they tweet it at them. I think that's a, I think that's a running trope. On All the- of my ideas are like two years too late. Uh, what can we do? Uh, CUSA, I already mentioned North Texas, Western Kentucky. That will be a really strong top-end league. Personally, I like when we get these storylines perish, when we get to March, and it's like, look at this mid-major league. Like, It's, it's a one-bid league, but there's like a second team that's got, like, let's let's talk about it. Should Do they have a case? If, if UAB, North Texas, Western Kentucky separate from the rest of the league, no, it will not be a three-bid league, but I think there's a chance. Grant McCaslin, who you are all too familiar with as well, like another really good up-and-coming coach. Keep an eye there, and then I'll uh, I'll peel through these real quick. In the MAC, I've got Toledo as a top 80 team in the country. Toledo has not. This is in my top 101. Quick trivia time. Last time Toledo was in the NCAA tournament. When do you think it was? Oh, that's um. Uh, that's um, I, I love that one. He's like, oh yeah, that's uh, yeah. I was just thinking about this two weeks. Yeah, it feels like 1998, dude. That's it. So the, that's exactly what I thought, right? When I'm doing my research and because if I remember correctly, it was like Toledo's in the NCAA tournament, and then they had the McGuire Sosa thing. It was all the same year. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, I wasn't even born, dude. Toledo has not been in the NCAA tournament since 1980. That doesn't seem possible. 1980 for the Rockets. They sounds, are sounds like a. This is precisely why we need to expand the NCAA tournament deadlift. Uh, got to get Toledo get in every once in a while. Get out know? of my face! I'm gonna vomit right now. We got to uh, get Toledo in every once in a while. Kent State was actually picked as the preseason favorite, uh, narrowly over Toledo. So Toledo, Kent State, it's a it's a good one two in the MAC. Kent State has the Player of the Year, sincere carry point guard, very good player. Uh, but I like Toledo to be better, and I do like Toledo to finally break through and make it to the NCAA tournament for the first time since 1980. And that is also true of another team. What's the other mid-major team that hasn't danced since 1980? UMass Lowell. Ooh! Don't even know if UMass Lowell existed. Actually, that's incorrect. Yeah, all this went there in the 50s, early 50s. There we go. Uh, Furman. Mm-hmm. FU. Hasn't danced since 1980, and this is a team that lost at the buzzer in overtime of the SoCon title game to Chattanooga last year. Bob Ritchie has had either the first, second, or third best team in the SoCon basically every year since he took this over for Nico Medved. They should, should be the best team in the SoCon this season, but being the best team in the regular season doesn't guarantee you that you're breaking on through uh, in the title game. We'll see if they can do it. 
they losing in the losing in overtime of the title game is the epitome of cannibalism too. That is that is just it's horrendous. But they've got Mike Bothwell and Jalen Slauson. I'm going to give them both the shout-outs because they're two of the five best players in the SoCon. SoCon's always a, a good quality league from a reading perspective. Keep an eye on that. CAA, Towson. All right, I had in our Google Doc here. Pascari has a legitimately good team. Will Towson end the season? Let me check the Ken Palm rankings. Will Towson be better than nearby Maryland? Because I do this thing where we do United States of college basketball, and so I got to pick the best team in every state for the rankings. And I have I have Maryland ahead. Let me see that. So right now, Maryland's 56 in Ken Palm, Towson 98. So it's not even that close. Let me check Torvik real quick. I'm, I'm guessing you're going you're gonna to ride with the Terps here. Yeah, I think you have to ride with the Terps. Yeah, I love Terps. Pat Scary, but like, yeah. he, I love Pat Scary. But you got to ride with, you, you know, the sensible the capital of Maryland's got to be Maryland. It's Maryland. Yeah, Towson's about 25 spots behind Maryland and Torvik as well, which is fair. They should, but Towson is going to be. Towson is, is was one of the best teams that I didn't include in the like maybe at large hopes because it's hard to be that coming out of the CAA. What about Navy, people, you think you're thinking about Navy? I haven't thought too much about Navy, but I did I did give them a scam when I was doing my uh, when I was doing my rankings here. Um, Filled out all my paperwork. I'm ready to be the United States Naval G- Academy. GP will. Hey, listen, little programming note. GP will be on military grounds on yes. veterans day yep. for the annual CBS sports network broadcast of the veterans classic. Who's playing GP. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm honestly not hundred percent sure. It, it is, well, I can, I can tell you it is obviously Navy. Yeah. No Navy in Houston. I know Houston's there. I want to say, uh, uh, Princeton. 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 Is it Princeton? It's Princeton. St. Joe's. I think St. Joe's. Yeah, Princeton is going to play. Princeton is going to play. <laughs> Princeton is going to play Navy. Houston's going to play St. Joe's. Yeah, I didn't mean to uh, to, to deke you <laughs> on that. I thought you were locked and loaded since you brought it up. <laughs> thought you were locked and loaded. Yeah, yeah. God, I'll know. Listen, I don't go on TV <laughs> for a couple weeks. I'll know. I'll know who's playing by the time it's time for me to be on TV. I don't need to know now. Those I just, moments are why thing, I love doing this podcast. The only now. thing I need to know now is is like uh, I got to book my flight now. I, I can figure out who's playing. I got I got plenty of time. He's for that. like, you thinking about Navy? I'm like, uh, no. He's like, yeah, me me either. Just was wondering. <laughs> like, no, I, you clearly no, weren't I, thinking about Navy. I know I am thinking about Navy. I'm thinking about Navy right now. Um, couple other leagues, real quick. Teams that are all inside my top 101. Grand Canyon. I have is the best team in the WAC. A reminder. I think we talked about this on a, an episode in the offseason real quick. The WAC will seed its its conference tournament this season based upon, uh, in, in effect, how you perform against your opponents for your entire schedule and more reflective of like how good you are, not your league record. It is more weight. It is a weighted approach. It's never been done before at the basketball level. And I'm interested to see if it, there's, it's, it's not going to be this like the, the seventh best team in the league is not going to get the one seed or anything like that, but a team that might have the second best record in whack play could wind up as the four can't, seed. Because, can't, wait, can't wait to hear the coaches who have no understanding oh, of what's happening complain about it. I can't I wait. Uh, it's going to be it, it, literally. We'll we'll have to dedicate a segment on it as we get closer. But just I, keep, what what I want is the team with the best record to get the third three seed. Yeah, exactly. And and I want and then I want there to be a conspiracy about exactly what data is going into this computer. Uh, it, it has tremendous potential. I. I it is it is unique. It is bold, and yes, there is tremendous potential for some big time crybabyism to be happening in the WAC. I cannot wait for it. 
so we'll we'll see. That's just that's upcoming this season. Uh, the Mac, we got to talk about that real quick. There's actually a news hook. Iona is going to be the best team in the league. Voted the best team. Rick Pitino is doing a great job there. Um, Manhattan was picked second in the conference, and it has been a bleep show this week at Manhattan College. That's the preseason number two team in the MAC. And Steve Mazziello got fired earlier this week. The best player in the league, Jose Perez, who was the preseason player of the year, uh, you know, voted on by, by league coaches. He's in the transfer portal. More guys are going. I was told Mazziello and the AD, not on good terms, had been that way for a while. In talking to a couple different people, apparently, like the AD was given uh, a contract, a, a new contract, or the, the, the contract was enhanced. Massiello was entering the final year of his deal. He wanted it, didn't happen. He got fired like out of nowhere. It got ugly quickly. Here we are. Th- this is insane, Parrish. Like you can This is this is a good team. It's not like they were picked eighth in the league. Manhattan. So Masiello's out after. Uh, yeah, well, I don't understand why you can't you can't just like not talk. Like, hey, you got one year left on your contract. We're not extending you right now, but you can coach this team, and we'll talk in March. And I'll and we won't talk until March. I don't understand why. I don't understand the point in blowing up a on paper possible conference champion two weeks before the season. Like, if like, uh, listen, I'm 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 sure there's an explanation behind the scenes, and there's probably four versions of the same story, but I, I get it. it. Like, you know, athletic directors and coach, coaches often, or at least sometimes don't get along, but you can coexist without dealing with each other. Like, you know, John Calipari and Mitch Barnhart don't have to be best friends for Kentucky to be a high level basketball program. Um, you know, and so it, it is a strange situation at Manhattan. I, I'll just, I'll just stop there because yeah, and- now like, you you've just you've just taken a promising season and turned it into what is not going to be you know impossibly a good season at all mm-hmm. and you know now you've got some talented guys entering the transfer portal uh, is it clear to you like when they'd be if Jose Perez committed somewhere today can he play second semester i uh, that that is not i I haven't dug too deep on it, but I think that's the hope and the intention um but I don't know if that is, like they will have to go through a waiver process I don't know. I don't, but he's like a legitimately good low major player, mid major player. So if he can add, come onto a roster and be like your first guy off the bench or something like that, like there's real value to that I I don't know, but obviously other reporters who really like to dig into the the transfer market there um, have reported like in just a number and number and number of of high major teams have, have reached out to him. So we wait and see on that. But uh, that was a headline earlier this uh, you know well this is technically going up on Halloween last week and it was just a what a mess. Um, okay. Uh, shouts to all the small school listeners. So I know there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that you might have, you might have gone to Vermont or you might have gone to Colgate. So you know this podcast really is for you. So I want to give a quick couple more mentions of a few schools that should be pretty good. Vermont again, probably best in the America East. It'll get a, it'll get a push from Bryant. Uh, John Becker has been insane at Vermont. By the way, has won 20 or more games every single season he's been there since 2011. The only exception being. 2021 when Vermont as a university just did not allow them to play a non-conference schedule. So he only played 15 games total uh, and went 10 and five that season. But otherwise, I mean, last season, 28 games made the tournament, uh, 2020 year. We're going to the tournament Won 26 games year before that in the tournament, 27 wins, 2017, 29 wins in the tournament, 13 seed, 13 seed Vermont's awesome. They're going to pro- almost certainly be awesome again. Um, 
and they'll they'll compete with Brian in the America East, which just got into the America East. And the Patriot League, Colgate, it's in the midst of one of the best runs of any Patriot League program in the history of that conference. Matt Langle is another coach that I think, like he's coaching at Colgate right now. He'll be at a bigger school, if not in 23, then probably 24. Really good offensive mind. They should probably win going away. And they've been a team that, you know, people keen on betting the NCAA tournament have known that Colgate's actually been kind of a trendy uh, pick them to cover pick the past couple of years. All right, last last three. Oral Roberts in the Summit League. Max A. Smith was a preseason All-American at CBS Sports last year, GP. He was not this year. He's still considered pretty good. He'll be on our top 101 players list, et cetera, et cetera, but hasn't gotten quite as much shine there. Do you think that A. Smith um, has a little more of the same from last season, or do you think he's he's closer to the guy who he was a couple of years ago when he led the nation in scoring? Well, I I, I think it comes down to, you know, is, is Oral Roberts playing in the NCAA tournament or not? Like, the truth is, we didn't say his name one time that year up until they got in the tournament and beat two power five teams. And so when you play at that level, honestly, just scoring a lot of points for a middle of the pack team is not going to get you on any, it, it, it gets you no attention whatsoever. We now know him only because largely because of what he and his teammates did in the NCAA tournament two years ago. And you know, that that's the, that's the, that's the deal with that level of college basketball. You've got to, um, you know, you've got to do it against power conference opponents or do it on in the NCAA tournament or else it largely, it just largely goes unnoticed. I've got Oral Roberts 99 in my list overall. Fun fact about uh, about Max A. Smith, he almost hit the shot to beat Arkansas, which would have been St. Peter's before the year before St. Peter's. They were the 15 seed in the Sweet 16. A. Smith, I was sitting opposite baseline, no fans, and so the tournament bubble. He almost did it. He did average 22.8 points last season, but that didn't lead the country. What did? Darius McGee and Liberty, another team I have ranked in the 90s. He led the nation in scoring. We'll see if he can do it again. Liberty is even more of a dominant favorite in its league than, say, San Diego State is in the Mountain West to circle back. And then one more mid-major player to note on the on point of scoring like liberty should get in the tournament should be the best team in the a sun oral roberts is projected as the, as the summit league favorite should get into the tournament colgate vermont these teams are projected to be comfortable favorites and they were all inside my top 101 teams in the sport a team that's not there and a team that might not even be in say like the top 175 in fact let me see where they're at right now going into the season troy mercy is 255 in ken palm so this is like this is one of those things where man it's it's it's, it's just a bummer dude like right now Detroit Mercy, and we're going to talk about it and wrap up real quick with this because it got Antoine Davis, son of coach Mike Davis, is on the roster. He scored 2,734 points in his career, but he's knocking on the, like he's about to pass. In the first three weeks of the season, he's going to pass on the all-time scoring list. Marcus Howard, then J.J. Redick, then Allen Houston. Shouts to Allen Houston. He'll pass Larry Bird within the first three or four games. Tyler Hansborough, Elvin Hayes. Danny Manning, Oscar Robertson, shouts to Bradley legend, Hersey Hawkins. If he Once he gets to 3,000, he's going to be in Hersey Hawkins' range, which is 3,008 points. The fact of the matter is, if Antoine Davis can play north of 30 games this season and score better than, say, 22 or 23 a night, he's almost definitely going to be a top five all-time scorer in men's Division I history. And he really has, if there's no injury, and he plays more than 30 games. He's got a shot at number two. He would have to play like, I did the math on a GP. He would have to play, to beat Pete Maravich, 
3,667 all-time points. In th- oh, by the way, Pete Maravich played three seasons without a three-point line. He averaged 44 a game and played for his dad too. 44 a game without a three-point line and playing three seasons. So that's like, he's the greatest college basketball scorer in history and no one is ever going to beat that. Like that will never be broken. No one's averaging 44 again at the D1 men's college level. It will never happen. But in terms of pure volume of points, Antoine Davis has an outside shot to have scored the most points in the history. Does it, does it matter that he's going to use five years? It does. It does. So GP, you took it right out of my mouth. Whoa. It's going to take Antoine Davis five years to do it. Pete Maravich did it in three. But nonetheless, shouts to the fighting camels. Chris Clemens is third on the list. 2015 to 2019 finished with 3,225, which gets me to my question to you. Okay. Top three all time is Maravich, the yep. Portland State legend, Freeman Williams in the mid 70s, yeah. and then Chris Clemens, fighting camel. Right. Yes or no? You want Antoine Davis to pass Chris Clemens to be top three all time scorer in the history of men's D1? I root for people, not against them. Okay. So, I, 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 so I, you're I rooting root. against a fighting camel in this instance, I think. No, I'm rooting. I'm indifferent. I'm not indifferent to a fighting camel. I have great, I have great love in my heart for fighting camels. And also um, non-fighting camels. I just like camels, but I prefer fighting camels. They're more fun mm-hmm. to watch on YouTube. Mm-hmm. They're more okay. fun to watch on YouTube. But but I, I so I'm not rooting against a fighting camel as much as I'm rooting for somebody. I root for people. I want six. I want good things for people. All right, fair enough. It's certainly it'll be a as he climbs the ranks, and he will, barring injury again. He'll. Uh, He'll be making noise, and I'm sure we'll we'll talk about. It. I just it would be great to see if Detroit Mercy could be like a top three team in the horizon. It's not projected that, so you know you don't want to see this where you're just playing for a terrible team. It might be the case. All right, last thing, and then we're getting out of here. Oh I know my you gotta god! Go. Last thing. Listen, I'm trying to. I'm trying to do. Uh, I. I'm trying to be. Top- in fairness, we did spend ten minutes having a fake conversation about Gonzaga. It was very real. <laughs> that, that was ridiculous, by the very way. Very real. I almost since we weren't doing this live, I almost stopped and was like, "Let's just scrap all no, this." No, 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 no. You roll with stupid. it. Just let the let the let the let the waves take you. Let the all waves. Right. Last thing you said. Last thing. Woo! Can't. This is going to be rapid fire. Okay. Got to get. Actually, what, do you as we so as this is being published, mm-hmm. you're at you're at Disney World, right? That's true. In theory, you know, I could be dead. I got we another don't. thing on Disney World that I'm saving for the next pod. I can't even get into it right now because we will. It will be a. a just another thing. So remind me if if, it's, if it becomes relevant. Okay, whatever. So I'm I'm putting that to the. I got a thing that I got to put to the side. Mm-hmm. But it's it's Halloween. Okay. Mm-hmm. So again, happy Halloween. Shouts to Ween. Happy, I, you're happy not familiar Halloween. with GP. You're not familiar with Ween. Of course, are you? I know Ween. You do you really? I, I'm I'm aware of Ween's existence. But, yes. Right, last time you listened to a Ween song. Oh, I can't do that. Yo, when you're on this flight, pull up a little white pepper. Maybe Quebec. Some good stuff there. Just saying. Chocolate Town. Great Ween song. Couldn't taste the taste that I was tasting. Okay, that in mind, will you be in any costume on Halloween? Um, yes, because we're going to a um, we're we're spending Halloween at like Mickey's not so scary Halloween party. It's like okay. a party that we, you know, it's just another thing they can charge you for. And um, costumes are encouraged, and so the we ordered costumes on Amazon. Mm, they're still in China or something. Like they, didn't, <laughs> okay. they, they didn't get here. So your face pl- when you said that. Oh, it's a mess. And so I, uh, like my little guy, he was really disappointed. Like he's been, he, he walks in from school every day and he go and he, you know, in, in our house, we have a million Alexas. You can just talk to Alexa all day long. And he's like, Alexa, 
when is the costume arriving? And it's like, it is scheduled to arrive between this and this. And they just keep pushing the date back. And now it, it was confirmed yesterday. It ain't getting here. So the plan is that we will um, get to Orlando and then we will go to a costume shop and we will all buy costumes together. And I will be, yeah, I'll, I'll wear a costume for the first time in a long time. I can't remember the last time I wore a costume. <sighs> That's wonderful. Did I'm you see Mick Cronin? Well, did you see the Rob Doster tweet? Of course, I saw it. Amazing, Nada. <laughs> if you can, if I I should have sent Nada the tweet before the podcast. I didn't. If Nada, if you're able for anyone watching on YouTube, bring up the Rob hey, Doster tweet. YouTube. It's not just Doster. It's, hey, it's 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 a picture of Parrish, and it's the it's the it's the the trendy spirit Halloween Photoshop meme generator that's been going around, and it's it's a Mick Cronin costume with Parrish. There's a Vicini one in there. It's Charlie Day, which we love. And then our good buddy Jeff Borzello. So no, anyway, a lot of people, a lot of people sent me the. Uh, I mean, I saw it. I obviously no, follow. Come on, that was a great job by Dawn. That was great. It was terrific. And uh, like Scott Drew put me and Mick in a group t- text. <laughs> it was it was laughing about it. And uh, so uh, absolutely classic. Okay, that in mind, my my older boy had a. We did a trick or trunk at, at his school already. So that's been done. So we we got into. You got to pick one candy, son. This one or that one. Yeah. Rapid fire. Where? Here we go. Halloween version. Which candy? Okay. Here we go. Yeah. Candy corner dots. Dots. Incorrect. Smarties or gummy bears? Smarties. Correct. Are Whopper. the gummies edibles or not? Yes or no? No. The gummies are the gummies are not edibles. Okay. Then Smarties for sure. Correct. Whoppers or milk dots? Whoppers. Correct. Rolos or Mike and Ike's? Rolos. Correct. Regular M&M's or Reese's Pieces? Reese's Pieces. Correct. Nerds or Skittles? Skittles. Incorrect. Twizzlers or Jolly Ranchers? Twizzlers. Jolly Ranchers really break your teeth. Twizzlers are top three overrated candy all time. Twizzlers, they're they're fun though. You can like you can hold them and make them look like you know what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. Sure, I I got no time for t- t- licorice. I don't need it in my life ever. A few more, Junior Mints or Heath Bar? Junior Mints. Mm, got to go. Love junior, I love I love Junior Mints. Is that is that a one seed candy for you? It's it's up there. Junior Mints, Kit Kats. We're getting up. We're we're getting there. All right, keep going. A few four more. Nestle's Crunch Bar or Butterfinger? Butterfinger. This was my probably my toughest one. I would lean. Butterfinger, but it, the teeth situation—you you just know, like you're just dealing with—you're just dealing with your tongue for like 20 minutes after you do a Butterfinger. You know, you got, <laughs> you got your finger up in your teeth. You're trying to clean out the cavities. That's not what I do. That's not what I do. <laughs> when when you, I eat what a are you talking about? You eat a Butterfinger. You know, it, it, it's a high maintenance candy. I don't think so. It all gets stuck in your in your in your molars. What are you talking about? My molars are fine. Okay. Okay. You might have you might have a molar problem. No, no, no. This is a this is another classic example of like people are gonna be listening. They're gonna be like, Orlando's right. Butterfingers are a high maintenance candy. I don't think that's right. Twix or Snickers? Snickers. Incorrect. Gosh, that's disappointing. Final two. Mm-hmm. Peanut M and M's or peanut butter M and M's. I like peanut butter. So anytime you give me an option of peanut butter, I'm going to go peanut butter. I got to go peanut butter. Like even when I go to like Smoothie King, I get a peanut butter thing. I love peanut butter, man. High level. Last one. One seed, one seed title game matchup. 
Reese's Peanut Butter Cup or a Kit Kat? Peanut Butter Cup. But I love them both. Love them both. Gotta go Peanut Butter Cup. I will say this. The Trader Joe's Peanut Butter Cups are better than Reese's Cups. What? Are you familiar? I've never, I don't know that I've ever experienced that. Addicting to the point where I don't allow myself to buy them more, but maybe twice a year. They are incredibly good. They're two different sizes. They are addicting. Real ones know exactly what I'm talking about. So peanut butter cup in general wins out. That's the problem with Halloween, at least around my house, is like it it gets October 1st and my wife wants to hang a skeleton in a tree. All right. She's ready to go. And then she'll come home and she'll have bags of candy. Can't have it. Can't have it. It's outrageous. And, and, And I'll say, what'd you buy all this for? She's like, well, Halloween's coming up. I'm like, Halloween is in three weeks. This candy will not be here in three weeks. Nope. This is not for Halloween. This is our kids will eat this every day, and I'll 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 slip up and eat it every day. I was like, let me tell you when you buy Halloween candy on Halloween. You didn't oh, even need to buy it this year. You're not even at your house. That's the thing I'm trying to tell you. You're Mary not even is, at your house. By the way, marriage is hard, man. We li- we don't live like in a straight up neighborhood neighborhood, but we do. Have, it's it's hard to explain the way that our street looks in relation to the nearby neighborhoods. But we are not on a trick or treat route, so we never have to give away candy. So we never have to buy it, which is which is sparing us this exact problem that you've run into. It's just you buy you buy Halloween candy on Halloween. Otherwise, the Halloween candy that you bought for Halloween ain't going to be around on Halloween. Somebody's eating that. Been studies done on this. I'm proud of your answers, man. I think those are. I think that was an even dozen. I think we agreed on nine of the twelve, which yeah. is which is which is good. Which uh, and so I can go Twix over Snickers if that makes you happy. I like uh, how to do Twix. Yeah, you ever do the Twix where you? Let's get in some sicko behavior. You ever do the Twix where you just you bite off the caramel first so you eat the cookie part last? Come on, man. That better be a come on, man. Yes. No, that's a come on, man. You're making things too complicated. No, you bite off the caramel first, and then you save the cookie part for last. It's the best. It's a, it's it's equal to like when you were younger and you'd eat the Lucky Charms. You try to eat the non-marshmallows first, and so then you just take like 12 bites of marshmallows straight up. What? Come on. You eat like a weirdo. I, well, I haven't done that since, let's call it 25 years old. It's been a you while. You left off. This is my most okay, underrated candy. Asking, what did I leave off? What did I leave off? And every time I say this, people come from my throat. I'm going to uh, hug. But I love them. I love Almond Joy. Um, I I actually almost put Almond Joy against one of those, but I but I left it off. I'm I'm with you on Almond Joy. I can I can ride with Almond Joy. I like Almond Joy. I can have with Almond Joy. Yeah, it's got almonds. I like almonds, and it's got like the little coconut in there. Yeah, yeah. A little hint of coconut. Yep. I like an Almond Joy. I can get into it. Hey, I, I, hope, I hope you're having a great time right now at Disney World. I hope you're just having the time of your life. People, you tell people you're going to Disney World with your kids, and they're like, "Oh, that'll be great." And I'm mm. like, ah, you know, "I don't know if it'll be great. It'll be, it, it'll be, it'll look great. It'll look great on Instagram, and it'll, it, there'll be moments of greatness. But like, there'll also be moments where you want to kill each other. You know? I'm happy for you. I'm happy for me too. Happy Halloween, everyone. Happy Halloween, everybody. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys for listening to the Iron College Basketball Podcast. Once again, if you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Spotify and Apple Podcast. If, if you're over at Apple, please, five stars, nice review, types of words. There's more of us than there are of them. Maybe that's what I'll be for Halloween. I'll be of them. Oh. <laughs> what is it? 
Do tell, what does a them costume look like? Oh. <laughs> I, I, got a, I got a bunch of answers to that question, but I'm not trying to. Let's just, let's just move on. More of us than there are of them. Smash that like button while you're here. If you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, please do that. We will talk to you again real soon. Till then, take care. It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.